Welcome to episode 16 of Living the Abundant Life. I'm Jenny Schmidt, and I'm excited to introduce you to a couple of my friends, Scott and Jenny Means. Scott is an engineer by trade, and Jenny an educator, a kindergarten teacher, and together they have an incredible marriage ministry. Scott founded Heaven Made Marriages Ministries. He's been researching and writing about marriage for nearly two decades. Um, I met them at our local church, Northlands, almost nine years ago, and they have three daughters. And Scott and Jenny are champions for marriages. He's passionate about creating resources and experiences that help build passionate, intimate, enduring marriages according to God's plan. I asked Scott and Jenny to join us for today's episode because they are living an abundantly joyful, intimate, connected marriage. And I think that's part of living the abundant life um, for believers who are married. I've been following his blog for years and I'm loving his books. We'll tell you how you can get a copy of your own with our unique discount code um, later on in the podcast. But I hope you enjoy um, how Scott is going to let us in on his wisdom and how Jenny shares their stories um, in just such a relatable way, really moving us from mediocre to immeasurably great marriages through our relationship with Christ. So I know you're going to enjoy it. So Scott, thanks for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you and your bride, Jenny, um, with us on the podcast. Welcome. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, um, I would love if you just start, tell us a little bit about your story and kind of y'all's marriage journey, your love story. I, I, if I understand correctly, it started back in sixth grade. That's right. Um, we met in sixth grade when I moved to Virginia from, from Nebraska and, um, we got to know each other real well, starting in high school, got to be really good friends. And um, the, the friendship kind of blossomed to the point where I was interested in being more than friends at that <laughs> point. And uh, she wasn't. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, so she said, you know, well, no, let's just be friends. You know, the whole let's be friends thing. And so I was crushed, but she made good on the let's be friends thing. And so we really really fostered our friendship um, for the next year or so. And finally. Yeah. As, as I got to know him, as I wanted to prove that I wasn't just saying that um, as I got to know him better and better, I just really started to like him a lot, but then he would ask me out and I wouldn't be able to go for some reason, but he would think I was just rejecting him again. So it took us a while to connect. So we finally got it going our senior year in, in high school, dating okay. regularly, went away to college, um, started at the same school, separated to different schools, um, did some long distance thing for a little while. But in the end, we got married uh, just a week after I graduated from, from college and a month or so after she did. And we've been married now 37 years. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, you've really, you guys have grown up together. I mean, you've seen each other through every season and stage of life, it sounds like. That's pretty much true. Yeah, that yeah. really is true. And we've, we're so different than who we were back then, but mm -hmm. we've grown, we've been so blessed to grow together and um, not to stay connected and not to grow separately, but it's also really good. 
That's incredible. I, I can wrap my head around that a bit. This for for Ryan and I, we've been married um, almost eight and a half, almost nine years, yeah. um, and you know we've really got that place in our marriage where we've like we're different people than who we were when we got married. We've grown and changed a lot in in the seasons and years that we've shared. So I can just imagine um, what that's like for you. It's always good news when you grow up and you change and you still really like the person you're married to, which yeah. is my situation, which is fantastic. And y'all's as well. But, but to see someone really evolve and become the person that God always made them to be, um, I mean, that's, that's really huge. That's really an honor, I think. Yeah. I think that's part of the awesomeness of our journey is how we've really gone after seeing the Lord's call on each other's lives fulfilled. And I think that's that's really important to keeping a couple kind of feeling like they're pulling pulling things together as opposed to, you know, pulling things separately. And so we've really been, you know, we've really focused on that and, and been intentional about, you know, the ultimate goal in marriage is to is to see your spouse become who God's called them to be, walking the fullness of their identity and yeah. encourage each other along that along that line. And even when that. we were dating, we were believers then, and we um, Scott was a prolific songwriter at that time, all through high school and college. And he had even written a song about our relationship, where one of the lines was about how God is on the throne of our love. And I think that is what has made all the difference from the very beginning we felt like the Lord brought us together and we felt like the Lord was in it, even in the hardest times. And we've never doubted that. And we've always been pulling for each other, even, even when it's, it's difficult, even when you don't feel it um, mm. emotionally. I love that. I think, you know, so, so many Christian couples, they want, you know, they say, you know, we want Christ at the center of our relationship and our marriage, but we don't always have examples for that. You know, maybe that's not what we grew up with, or maybe there's not a lot of people around us that are, are living that out in their marriage. Um, I mean, using the words, but but really, but really not living that really Christ-centered marriage where, where intimacy is just flourishing and um you know, faith and, and ministry and family life and raising kids and all of it's just integrated really well. And you guys are living that. That's why I asked you to just come on the podcast and just share a little bit about, you know, when we think of an abundant life, that's life. It's in every area. So when it comes to marriage, like our marriages should be abundant, overflowing, something more there, you know, the idea of overflowing, that there's something extra to give that comes off of our marriages. And you guys, I mean, if I think of anyone who is abounding in all of the fruit of what marriage um, should be and can be, it's you guys. Um, and so I, I really, I really will, we're excited to hear, you know, some of that, but I would love to just preface that a little bit with tell us, I mean, I kind of know, cause I know you guys, but how, tell us how different you are. I mean, cause you guys are pretty, Really? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. We're we're opposites in almost every way. Yeah. You take the different, you know, you take the different personality tests and um the different it's it's really kind of crazy. I'm extra introverted and she is I would say much more extra, over the top, yeah, you can say it. Over the top <laughs> extrovert. Me, extra extrovert. Yeah. Um you know, she, it's just she's much more 
people oriented, um, a verbal processor. I'm a, I'm a kind of a, like to process through thinking and, and quiet. And so it's just, yeah, in every, almost every dimension, we're pretty much opposites, except our core values are completely in common and mm. completely aligned. So that, that really, it, it doesn't come down to a matter of personality. It comes down to the matter of we share common core values and they may be expressed really differently in each of us, but having those core values in common is really, is, helps. really is, helps keep us glued together. Yeah. Absolutely. I always say I'm that extreme. If it was a graph or a chart, I'd be extreme ups and downs. Everything is very, I'm either very happy or very sad or very, whatever the emotion is. And Scotty's very much straight, smooth sailing. So I just add a little bit of zest to his flat line and he, <laughs> he adds a little bit of bringing it down to be a little calmer with the extremes in it. It works really well. I also say that he's a problem solver and I'm a problem maker. And so we both make each other feel really good about that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, they say opposites attract and it's so true. I mean, that's for Ryan and I, we are so different. Um, but, but same thing, like our core values are totally aligned. Um, but I mean, we find that like the difference is it's, it's what we love but also get irritated with. I mean, you guys, um, I don't see that undercurrent of irritation with the way the other one is hardwired. And I love that about you guys. Um, how did you get there? Yeah. So I, I don't know exactly how we got there, but I would, I would say, um, being real intentional about, well, actually, I just really like who she is. So I don't feel like I've had to, I've had to work at it very hard. Um, but see, we've been together a long time, married 37 years yeah, that's true. and we dated five. Mm-hmm. So that's a, like you said, we, we grew up together, but it wasn't always like it is now. Um, I feel like, um, Scott would tend to be mol- melancholy and I can't stand being unhappy and that was a source of tension. If you know he could be down about something, I finally realized he's okay with being unhappy if something's going wrong, and I'm not. Like, fix it immediately. I'm with you. We we've learned so that. much over the years, but it really yeah. did begin. I would say, with Scott, when we were probably about ten years in. I'm not sure how far in we were. He began. Um, a journey with the Lord that really impacted the way he loved me. And Mm. I was always more the strong-willed one. You know, I want to make sure I get what I want and what I need out of the relationship. Scott's parents had um, a broken marriage and I wanted to make sure that I was going to be treated well. And I, it, it wasn't always what it is now. Um, the trust that comes as you begin to learn how to love each other well just establishes such a safe place to be who you are and know that you're loved and accepted. And mm. then you don't have to keep score and you don't have to, you know, make sure you get what's, you know, yours. Yeah. What's do you and. Um, it really changed everything when Scott 
began to really explore what we call the bridal paradigm. Yeah, Scott, will you tell us about that? Why, why did, like, how did that happen? What, what yeah, happened so in your life that, that spurred that? It's kind of an interesting, um, I'll try to give you the short version of the story, but I uh, led worship for most, most of my life. And part of that journey took me to the International House of Prayer here in Atlanta, where I was doing two two-hour uh, worship sets a week as part of their 24-7 worship and intercession that goes on here in the city. And um, one of the things they really major on there is intimacy with Jesus and understanding our identity as the bride of Christ and his passion and love for us. And um, they call that the bridal paradigm or the understanding of our identity as the bride of Christ. Um, So at the same time that was going on, I was also doing some study of the word as far as what what does the Bible say about husbands and the role of a husband and how a husband should should love his wife. And so I started unpacking that in kind of in this environment of, of you know, extreme intimacy with the Lord, partly through this, this worship that I was doing at the IHOP. And I really started to see, as I read, that marriage is everywhere in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty astounding. And that I saw that the whole thing actually was about marriage. It starts in Genesis with the marriage. It ends at the end of Revelation with the marriage. And and everywhere in between, you see all kinds of um, pictures of, of marriage. And I started to see that actually the Bible is a love story. And mm-hmm. it's about a passionate God in pursuit of an intimate relationship with his bride that he would go to any length, including sending his son to die so that he could have intimacy with us. And that that understanding suddenly, it was like a light came on and I saw everywhere in my relationship with Jesus, I could see lessons for my relationship with Jenny and vice versa. I would see things that would go on in our marriage and it would kind of inform my relationship with Jesus. And so I, I saw this key of understanding the emotions of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the grace um, as that's my model for how I need to love my wife. And so I started trying to put it into practice and um, just started, you know, trying to, trying to be real intentional about loving her, as the Bible says, as Christ loves the church or as Jesus loves me to, to kind of personalize it. And so that's really kind of where that started. And that was probably almost 20 years ago. And that eventually led to um, me starting to write about it, uh, to blog about it. We developed this uh, marriage curriculum kind of around that theme. And we've done been doing that for about 10 years now. So mm. can, can you talk a little bit more about what is what, what do you mean by loving your bride like Christ loves the church? Because oh, we know the scripture, but I think sometimes it's hard. Um, I love it when we can put skin on scripture, when we can kind of give examples and, and begin to picture what this um, invitation really looks like in, in our life. So can you can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I can I can tell you what it was like to be loved like that and what it is like to be loved like that. It's like, you know, I know that 
all the things that he does, decisions he makes, whether it's about money, whether it's about um, his days off, whether it's all about his time, he's making decisions out of what is my best. And he began to love me in a way that was just very kind and gentle and caring about what pleased me. He began to study what made me feel safe and what made me feel loved. And then he would love me like that. And so for me, that's a lot of emotional connection. Mm. Um, That's a lot of time. It's um, I always want to be understood. I, I mean, really, out of the two of us, I'm much more selfish, but he would just lay down his agenda to be there for me. Mm. And at first, you know, I was just eating it up, but it wasn't really changing me. But I can remember once watching an old movie. I was watching Gone with the Wind. And it was when Rhett Butler was really pursuing Scarlett O'Hara. And she was just this, you know, kind of a childish brat. Mm -hmm. And he had just married her and was giving her everything she wanted. And that did not go well. And it hit me. I felt a check in my spirit that I shouldn't just take advantage of all this, that I too could learn to love well. And it really is like the scriptures because we love Jesus because he first loved us. And Scotty loved me so well that it made it easier and easier for me to put down my guard, to put down my self-protecting. Yeah. You know, even physically, I think women have this thing where just because of our culture and the way we're brought up, we almost try to self-protect and guard even our bodies and withhold from our husbands at times and just um, are uptight in that area. Well, being loved like that made me feel completely safe. Mm. And we began to just live surrendered lives where we were both surrendering to each other and trying to, without talking about it, you just want to love each other well. Um, You just, I just love him. And we love each other much more than at the beginning. We always laugh when we hear people say, think about how it was when you first began. And we think, well, that's nothing compared to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it can be so good if we can get to a place where we're loving each other um, like, where I'm living to make sure he feels my love and has his needs met. And then he's living that way towards me. It creates, I mean, not always, not perfectly, um, but that's the general goal of our lives. Yeah. Like a a mutual surrender. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of what you're describing. That's so good. Um, you know, I think you have to get to a place where you're not like you, you were saying earlier, um, you know, kind of fighting for your own agenda or for your needs to get met, um, worry more about the other person's than your own, which, you know, it has to be founded on a whole lot of trust and, and that feeling of safety, um, that really believe in the other person is for you. And I think, I don't know, I don't know if this, you know, for y'all, but for me, that's had to start with my relationship with Jesus. Like, yeah. If I don't feel safe and I don't trust him, there's no way I can with Ryan. Like, right. 
Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So for, um, for us, I would say we both um, have kind of, our spiritual journeys have very much been in sync. Mm. And so um, having this, this pursuit of understanding the love of God and, and his feelings towards us and his, his love for us and getting our security from him, not from each other, but, but really getting our identity and our security from, from yeah. him has allowed us to be in a place where we can be vulnerable with each other because we know that um, God's grace covers everything. And in the same way, we can have that same grace toward each other um, to, to basically cover everything that's, you know, we, we mess up, we make mistakes, we do things wrong. Sometimes we're annoying or we do things we know we shouldn't do, um, hurting each other. And to know that no matter what, that, that, that love, that Jenny's love is going to be there for me is, is really huge. And it's, it's not that, you know, I want to take advantage of that or, or abuse that privilege, it's the same way with Jesus. You know, his grace is an invitation to intimacy. His grace is an intimate, is, an, is, is a big ask. It's, the Bible says his kindness is what leads us to repentance. Yeah. And it's the same way in marriage that when you can establish an atmosphere of grace, and again, it's like you said, it's founded from the grace of God between a husband and a wife. That's just, that's, that's a huge place of safety and security um, to not have to doubt your spouse's love for you. Yeah, that's huge. Um, Scott, one of the things that you um, talk a lot about and you write about, um, and really you've written books about, is this kind of this path of, you're either on a path of intimacy or a path of separation. And that's always really resonated with me. Can you just talk a little bit about that and and explain what that looks like? Yeah, so... um, Intimacy in marriage, I, I say that the intimacy in marriage is is really the main goal. Um, now, define intimacy. Are we talking physical in the bedroom? Intimacy? No, I'm talking about I'm talking about intimacy in all forms. So it's physical, it's spiritual, it's financial, it's emotional. Mm. It's, it's every dimension of your being um, enjoying that oneness that you share in marriage. Mm. So it's it's complete. Um, what I say, intimacy is. Um, being fully known and completely loved. Mm. That's where intimacy reaches its pinnacle. Because if you have one and not the other, if you have, if you're fully known but not accepted, you've experienced rejection and judgment, that's yeah. not going to bring intimacy. And if you're um, not fully known, that's basically fake intimacy. You 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 can't you can't have closeness if you're not completely vulnerable. Um, so you need both both of those ingredients, and that that's where intimacy thrives the most is being fully known and fully loved, and that's how we experience intimacy with God. When we feel like completely naked before Him, and being genuinely who we are, and then in the in response to that, feel His grace and love pour over us and His acceptance, that's what gives us intimacy with God, and that's the same thing that gives us intimacy in the marriage relationship. And I want to, again, when I say intimacy, I'm talking about every dimension of, of, of a marriage, Yeah. but about the two paths. So because intimacy I see is, is kind of an organic thing. So it's either growing or it's dying. 
It's going mm. one of two directions. And I say, so you're either on the path of intimacy that is growing in connection and closeness and, and experience, fully experiencing the fruit of the oneness that you share in marriage, or you're on the path of separation. And the path of separation is very subtle. Um, it's actually, it's, it's the path of autopilot. If you're not intentional about pursuing intimacy, if you're just kind of coasting, you're actually going to be on the path of separation. Mm -hmm. And that's why couples sometimes wake up one day and they just realize that they're completely far apart from each other, that they don't really know each other, that um, they're not experiencing the fruit of the oneness of the marriage. And it's really a painful kind of realization to, to discover that you're on that, on that path of separation. But the cool thing is all it takes is one person or the other to kind of reach across that divide and you get, you get back on the path of, of intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. So one or the other, not both at the same time. Cause I think that's a lot of people may be listening and saying, Hey, like, you know, it, the, mistake, what, what we make, yeah, the mistake we make is waiting for the other person to, res- to show that they want to be on the path of intimacy first. Wow. And all it really takes is one person reaching out and, and, and bridging that gap. And it can be a small gesture, a, a single act of kindness, a kind word, um, yeah. reaching out and holding a hand, um, changing a small habit that, that you know isn't benefiting your marriage. Um, it can be very small and incremental things. But the cool thing is, and almost every marriage reclamation story that I've seen, and I've seen a lot as a as a marriage blogger and talking to couples for you know, the last ten years or so, um, it almost always starts with one person, and eventually, in in most of the marriage um, transformation stories that I hear about, it starts with one, and then the other person eventually kind of comes around and responds, and it's not always immediate, but it it, it does happen that way. And that's a lot of that's times, really hopeful. Yeah, a that's lot of hopeful. times it's the same person, though, that has to start it. And sometimes that person feels like, well, why am I always the one that has to push for us to reconnect? He needs to come to me. He needs to say, I'm sorry. He needs to say, you know, this isn't right. You know, you can get, if you keep score, that's never a good thing. You put it at the goal, that connection. And that's what helps you when the other person is so unattractive to you. Like you, maybe you are on that path of intimacy. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're at a stalemate over issues. Maybe he's very, very involved in something at work and you're involved at something at your job and you're just haven't had time together or shared mind space. It often for Scott and I, I usually make the first move because I think part of it is because I can't stand to be unhappy. And also, um, I'm just a really big feeler. And so if things are out of sync with us, I have a terrible day. He'll still have a great day. He'll sleep through the night. He'll be fine. (laughs) But my life feels really yeah, not good. Like I'm feeling pain. So I will often be the one who says, Hey, can we talk? Or are we okay? Or it seems like something's wrong. And sometimes it's just that 
I, I'm not happy with the way he's handling something or working something out. And I need to find out a way to be able to express what I'm feeling without attacking him or disrespecting mm -hmm. him. I mean, I can remember one time we were disconnected about something. We don't really fight, but you can tell there's a disconnect. And we were in the car and I said something to try to be the bridge and he just snapped back. And now we can use the language. I said, I'm trying to make the bridge and make the connection. And I feel like you just slapped my hand. <laughs> and you know, we can talk that way. Like mm -hmm. it's real, it's real life. We don't have, it's not like we don't ever have a problem, but it's that we've learned that it's so important to have that connection it's so wonderful. It's, it's so valuable to us that we're willing to fight. We're willing to do the hard thing and lay down um, our rights because it's not about being right. It's about being love. And that has been wow, a that's huge, good. huge, big thing for us to realize. Say that again, Jenny. It's so good. Um, and I don't think it's an original quote. It sounds very Bob Goffish to me. So it does. I love Bob. I'm not sure. But it's not about who's right. It's not about being right. It's about being love. So good. And, um, so then we can, and, you know, just our prayer life, our intimacy with Jesus is the one who helps us know how to love the other person. Jenny, yeah, as I'm listening to you, I, I imagine, you know, as you're talking about, you know, the way that you handle those moments when you kind of find yourself maybe on the path of separation or you're not connected and um, not hitting on all cylinders, you know, and, and you were kind of, Scott, you were saying about how, you know, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, which is, I mean, that is how Christ relates to us and therefore how we should re relate to one another. So you guys, I'm guessing, are, are addressing kind of those moments of disconnect really in real time, as opposed to letting them build up. Because I think that's what happens in a lot of marriages, right? Life's yeah. busy. You don't, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not going to just send a snippy text back, but something annoyed you and you, you don't respond to it. And then it, it builds up with five other things. And then a month down the road to just, you know, it gets volatile because, you know, they haven't expressed, one spouse hasn't expressed their, um, their struggles or lack of connection or whatever with the other. So are you guys having these conversations like really regularly or, you know, as soon as they come up or as soon as you feel yeah, an emotion? Would, yeah, I would say we've developed a radar okay, um, for disconnect that we didn't mm -hmm. have for a long time yeah. in our marriage. Yeah. And part of it is just understanding that, that understanding that, that intimacy and connection is really the main thing. And if you can get your head around the fact that the goal of your marriage is to be as intimately connected as possible, then you re then you pick up on little things a lot faster and little little um you know she can she can read my receiving disrespect really quickly I, even if I, if it's just a a small change in my tone or a or a body language thing and i can tell when she has hurt feelings even if she kind of tries tries to hide it just because we've we've be we've become much more aware of what are the things that put us on the path of separation and, and how each other responds in those, in those different conditions. So how do you jump back? How do you jump back to the path of intimacy? So you notice her feelings are hurt. Jenny notices that you're feeling disrespected in that moment. How do you switch paths and get back to intimacy quickly? 
Well, I just was thinking there was something that happened either this morning or last night um, that Scott said something kind of glibly, just carelessly, and it had something to do with my appearance. And I, I was pretty sure he, you know, I know him, so I know he didn't mean to do that. So it's always, it's trying to assume the best about the other person, but it stung and I could feel myself withdrawing right away. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to leave the house and talk to him about it later. And it's just making the choice. And I just said, that really hurt my feelings when you said such and such. And then he immediately said, as soon as it came out of his mouth, he knew. And he said, I'm, he came over to me. He grabbed my hand. He said, I, that was careless of me. I'm so sorry. Now in the past, I wouldn't have let that go for a while. Then I need, I have the choice to go. Okay. I know his heart. He's in a hurry. He's not thinking about how that sounds and then let it go. It's giving each other that grace card where they, when we have hurt each other to let it go rather than make a big deal out of it. Yeah. And and part of that comes out of we're, we're completely convinced of each other's love. Mm. So, so when something happens, that's out of step with that, it's much easier to say, look, I know her heart and that she doesn't mean to disrespect me. Or she would say, she knows my heart. And that comment that I made was, was careless and insensitive, but it doesn't represent how I really feel about her. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I like how you said, um, you guys, you know, you have to, grace al- allows you to assume the best. Um, Brian and I were at a um, actually a, a different church training and they were talking about assuming the best about people. And that has been one of the most profound little phrases for us this year. It's like, are we assuming the best in each other, in other people? Um, and that's really shifted our perspectives, but it's amazing that in marriage with the person that you you've chosen to love and, and you obviously like the most in the whole world, um, we don't always assume the best, you know, that's not always our knee jerk reaction. It takes yeah. a bit of um, there's some discipline there. To... Yeah. What does that look like for you guys? Well, the, um, the assuming the best thing I would say has taken us most of our marriage to get, to get to that place. Um, but it's, it's really founded in the security we feel with each other and the knowledge that um, we, we, I, like I'm, I'm completely secure in her love. And it's because of years and years of her loving me well. And I would say that she probably feels the same way. But yeah, but I still need to hear it every single day, a hundred times a day. Yeah, not- It's a funny thing. <laughs> uh, I think most women, I need to hear that at, as I get older, as I get more and more unhappy with what I see in the mirror, as I don't... Um, you know, just through all the different seasons of our lives, whether I was pregnant, whether I was PMS, whether I made a mess of something or created a problem, whether I spent too much money on something, whether I wrecked his new car, which I did, um, I need to know he loves me. I need to know it all the time. I need to hear it. I need him to show me. Um, I grew up with parents with a really strong marriage that are still together and really strong, but 
there's something about, um, I think a lot of insecurity in women. I need to know that he still would choose me and that he still loves me. And I need to know why. So he'll say, I love you to me. He's probably said, I love you to me at least five times today through text, through voice, through whatever. And, um, and every time I say, tell me again, or tell me why, or tell me, like, I just need to hear it all the time. And, and he's so good to tell me all the time. Was and there a point? I, Go ahead. I'm so sorry. And then I try to do like, like even today made some kind of gesture that I knew would make him feel really loved. And he responds mm-hmm. by saying, I have the best wife ever. You know, it's just that continual feeding the love. Yeah. I love that. Was there a point earlier on, Scott, where her need, um, which I, I, you know, I don't want to stereotype women, but I, I relate to you, Jenny. So at least you and I both need to hear it a lot. Um, you know, that need for constant, you know, affirmation of the love that, that you have, and it's been unchanging for her. Um, has, was there a point which that was frustrating or cause is, do you need it as often? And if you don't, was that frustrating yeah, would, at one point? How did you switch? I would, I would say I need it in different ways and probably not as often. Okay. Uh, but it was not, I wouldn't say it was necessarily frustrating for me, but there were certainly long periods where I didn't really get it. But there, what about, tell about how um, every time you would try to tell me I was beautiful or build me up and I would, um, I couldn't receive it. I didn't believe it or accept it about that. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times she would, she would, you know, deflect my, my compliments. And so I got to the point where I kind of stopped doing it because I was just sort of frustrated by it and thought it's not really doing any good. Sure. Um, (laughs) And she noticed that I had stopped doing it. And so I don't know if you actually said something to me about it or, or how that, how that got turned around, but I eventually realized that um, that's really my, you know, Jesus beautifies the church. That's one of the things that he describes in Ephesians 5 about how he, he um, makes the church beautiful. And so I realized that whether she receives it or not, that's, that's my, one of my, one of the dimensions of my responsibility as a husband is to make wow. her feel beautiful and accepted. And so, you know, I, that's, that's been something I've really tried to be consistent about, you know, over the, over the years. And I would say the longer we've been married, maybe the more important it becomes. Yeah. And then he shared that with me. So then I knew I need to say, thank you. I need to believe him. I need to believe that somehow he sees something different than what I see in the mirror and believe that he's attracted to me to believe that he wants me. And we have, it's that whole game with the enemy and deflecting the lies because, um, Satan hates happy marriages. And, but God, the good news is God is so for them. He's so for us. And, um, that is a, that is a huge victorious power we have in marriage is that God is for marriage Mm. and he will help us and he'll come to our rescue. So talk to me a little bit about marriages where one or both the people are struggling with fears, insecurities, anxieties, um, really, you know, in their own relationship with the Lord, feeling unworthy of being loved or um, just kind of just those, those kind of personal issues that really in a lot of ways are between us and the Lord, but they obviously have a massive impact on the marriage. You know, what, um, 
what do you tell couples that are dealing with, you know, their own fears and, and, um, insecurities and, and those kind of things and how that's affecting their marriage? Yeah. So, um, not sure this exactly answers your question, but I think about the way Jesus relates to me and, and most of my theology of marriage comes out of my relationship with Jesus. But when I'm insecure or feeling unworthy or, um, you know, having issues like that, believing in the lies of the enemy, he's relentless in, in, in fighting that and going against that. And, and in speaking truth into my life. And he'll bring it in any number of ways. And so in marriage, it's the same way. You just need to be relentless in speaking truth and speaking life and building up and encouraging and not to grow weary, even if it's a long, a long battle or a long process of helping that person come into their full identity and to gain security in, in your love and security in their identity, you just have to be relentless and you have to go to God for the grace to do it. Um, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. That's fantastic. I love that. We sometimes, we, if something is going on like that, the other one of us is really struggling. We're at the point in our marriage where we can, um, go together before the Lord. Um, either Scott will say to me, Jenny, this, this is something we need to go to Jesus with, you know, you need to get set free or whatever the issue might be. And he will sit with me and we'll put on worship music together. And, um, Scott will get a word for me. I'll be able to listen to God and, um, hear what's happening. I have a place where I can cry and let it all out and talk it all out. And we're that safe place for each other. And it's happened both, both ways, ways yeah. both ways. And yeah. at the start of our marriage, I think a lot of times if I tried to, to lead that kind of a thing, um, Scott felt like I was being preachy or that I was criticizing him or trying to get him to do something um, you know, try to push him to be a spiritual leader. And so if that's the case, you just have to back up and pray and pray and pray those things. But our relationship, once we knew that we were really for each other and that I was his biggest cheerleader, we can really receive from each other mutually, spiritually. That's awesome. Do you guys have a regular time that you spend like the three of you with the, like you, each other and Jesus, the three of you spending time together with the Lord? Um, do you do that on a regular basis or kind of when big things come up? What does that look like? Um, so it really depends on our schedules. Um, we, we, our work schedules are kind of out of sync, so we don't typically have morning times together. Um, but we do, I would say at least once a week, we, we are intentional about having time together just with each other, typically Saturday mornings. Um, and then when we're uh, typically at the mountain house that we have we we spend time more time there because we have much more flexibility in our schedule but we actually just it's kind of become just an integral part of everyday life um she might call me with a thing and we'll just pray right there over the phone or um you know she'll text me how can i pray for you today and i'll send her back oh um really stressed out today you know can you pray for peace or you know it's just it's just become 
it's not really a religious thing where we we have a, a like a set time. It's just part of our living our lives together um, in Jesus. So. Yeah, like when I got to that conference this past weekend, I was just wrung out and I was really distracted and I was doing stupid things. And I just called him from Birmingham and said, Scotty, will you just pray for me? Will you just pray right now? I'm I'm leaving my keys places and I'm doing stupid things. And I, I just feel so out of sorts. Will you just pray for me? Mm. And he just stopped what he was doing and he prayed for me over the phone and everything changed. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll say to him, can you, do you, will you get a word for me? He'll be leaving for work and I'll be nervous about something or whatever. Um, something will be going on with one of our girls. I'll say, will you just ask the Lord for a word? And, and he might, it might not happen right away, but he will come back. He's heard me and he will come back and help me with that. And also we're empty nests now. So this looked differently when our kids were all living at home. You know, we would, we would sometimes when his mom was living with us with Alzheimer's, we would try to take the first 10 minutes in the morning on the weekends for each other. We just had to figure out what works, what works. Yeah. For us, it was never this set routine. We never could manage that very well. Yeah, and I, I, I really, and maybe it's the seven in me, but I really war against, you know, I guess I'm just not super disciplined, but just kind of over ritualizing things where it's, exactly. it becomes a have to and not meaningful, it loses its meaning. And, you know, to me, it's, that's totally pointless. It's total religion and not relationship. Um, but yet there has to be this intentionality um, to integrate that time where it is the three of you, as opposed to like, well, yeah, you are, seem, you do seem really anxious today. You should pray about it. And it's, you're kind of leaving them to, to work that out with Jesus, which is not that that's inappropriate, but there is, there's this gift in marriage where you get to come together, the three of you. Um, and I, I relate to what you're describing because when Ryan prays for me, um, sometimes I struggle with just really vivid, awful nightmares. And a lot of times I don't tell him, you know, or I don't tell him until after the fact, but if I, can wake up enough to, to, to tell him what's going on. As soon as he prays, it goes like his prayers are really powerful and effective over me more so than even my best girlfriends. Like, and it's amazing how often, because he's at work, I'm at home. I don't always invite him into what I'm going through and I'll maybe whoever mentioned it to whoever's in front of me in the moment, you know, they'll say they're praying for me, but, but if I would, you know, kind of integrate what you guys are describing here and, and we could, you know, come before the Lord, you know, more often together. I think there's an incredible power available to us. I think that's, you know, these are some of the things that these adjustments, these intentionalities are what leads us into experiencing the fullness of marriage, the abundance that's available. It's all on the table available. It's just, what are we picking up and, and, and making a part of our lifestyle? I think. Yeah. And I think you, I think you have, you can't ignore the importance of your sex life because that is a huge part of the connection and of the intimacy between you emotionally. And there's times, you know, in my life in different seasons, hormonally, where that doesn't seem that important or something that I need, but that's a lie that a lot of women believe we actually are hurting ourselves by thinking that we don't need that as well and that that's not important for our marriage. Mm. And when Scott began to love me so selflessly and create such a safe place for me, 
I can almost remember the time when I finally let down those walls and invited him to be able to have me completely. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. Your sex life really does mirror some of the other things that might be going on. And it's something worth fighting for if you're struggling with. There's so much help out there. And um, you just, we, we kid ourselves if we think that it's not that important because it's really important. That's good, Jenny. I think there is a lot of rhetoric in and out of the church that's like, do your duty in that area. Um, but it, it kind of leaves this taste in your mouth that like, maybe it's, you know, I'm not, I'm, women aren't made, you know, wired to want it the way guys are, whatever the the stuff is that's out there. But that's really um, not, that's really worn against intimacy, you guys would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, I think it was Michelle Haswell said at a marriage group once, we're, like Scott is a man of integrity. So I'm all he's going to get. So I want to be all he ever wants. Yeah, like that's it's good. a challenge to me. And I, and I want to be what he wants. He, and, and I also need that myself. I don't think I do because a lot of times, um, for me, it, um, our, having sex makes me feel. And a lot of times I don't want to feel I I'm wrung out or I'm upset or, you know, I don't want to feel. And it's hard to be, it's hard to be connected that closely and, and, and numb your feelings. And if you do, it's not going to be a very special time, but I've learned that I actually need to be with him and and experience him and ex, and get to know him and continue to get to know him even in our physical life no matter you know that no matter how long we've been married or no matter how old we are there's still more to discover about each other in every season and to make that a priority and to pray about it if it's difficult and find people to talk to there are great books out there and just be brave and um, just baby steps. Scotty always has through the seasons appreciated just when I've made an effort, even if things didn't go great, just even making an effort to um, meet with him and experience that intimacy physically. Yeah, because physical intimacy is the one unique expression of relationship that is between a husband and a wife. Mm. You know, you can have emotional connections with your with your friends you can have you know spiritual connections with with other people in your life but that physical intimacy is uniquely designed for marriage and when that's when that's not a, you know a good strong component of the intimate overall intimacy in your relationship it leaves a hole well so what would you tell the people who are listening who may say you know our sex life life isn't what we want it to be or you know there's there's some some challenges there or it's just kind of dry or it's just kind of gotten stale and boring or um you know one doesn't feel doesn't have the same drive as the other when when that when there are you know challenges in that area what's um what's your advice yeah so so i would say one thing that's that's become very apparent to me is mismatched drives are the norm um, that's completely typical and it's not always the, the man that has the higher drive and about 15 to 20% of the cases it's actually flipped, but regardless, it's really comes down to being selfless 
and, and surrendering yourself to your spouse and being willing to be vulnerable and step out in, in giving yourself to your spouse in the, in the physical realm. Because the, the Bible is very explicit about our responsibility toward each other in that area. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's just part of the God's calling on, on married life is to be each other's delight in the bedroom. And isn't that just like Satan to take something that is this wonderful gift to be completely enjoyed, to totally experience freedom and all every and pleasure and yeah. Yeah. And to distort it and to make it um, be an issue between a husband and wife. And I just think that if there are women out there that you feel shame because you know that you are not meeting your husband's needs. You, you feel shame because you, something in your past, or you could feel um, shut down, or you just really don't want to, you just don't want to, and you don't know why, to fight for it, to find people you can confide in. There's, I've discovered a book that I think is fantastic called Awaken Love by Becky. I can't think of her last name. Um, I thought of it. Well, it's called Awaken Love, and it's... Ruth Bezos. Oh, Ruth, not Becky. Ruth, sorry. Ruth... Bezos. Yeah, and it's really, really good. There's a blogger um, who has a... um, The name of her blog is The Forgiven Wife, and it's all about her withholding from her husband for so many years. I mean, she talks about other things as well. Um, Find out what's going on. I mean, I haven't had breakthrough recently realizing there was something in my past as a teenager that really was affecting things between Scott and I. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done was to talk to Scott about it. And then as soon as we talked about it, it wasn't, it was like that big mountain was nothing. It was gone. Wow. So I just, just really want to encourage both husbands and wives, not fight each other, but fight for physical intimacy, get the help you need. And you, it will just open up a whole dimension of your marriage that you would be missing out on. It just creates this place of warmth between you. And it helps men to be more emotionally connected. They actually want emotional connection when their physical needs have been met as well. It's not just a physical thing for a guy though, either. And I think we've all been told that and it's just not true. Yeah. Like men need to know they're wanted. They need to know that we want them. We were made for this. And I think, you know, there's been so much shame in, in how we talk, especially in the church about like, you know, almost make it like this horrible thing and that we want our kids to be scared so they don't ever do it before they're married. But it it really kind of poisons the expectations around it in terms of freedom and, and joy and, and that's good and you should want it. And, you, you know, I think you really hit on something, Jenny, um, that I've heard a lot from other people. You know, I just, sometimes when women are feeling or men, I just don't want to have sex. It's, it's often that they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't, they don't want to be in a position where, they're vulnerable, whether it's physically or emotionally. And, um, and I think that it's so healthy. It is so healthy to completely share ourselves with another person. We were made for that. And, and 
Um, I love that you guys are bold enough to talk about it um, and to really take away the shame because I think, you know, shame can come, come in so many forms. You know, you know, Ryan and I have have really learned communication in the bedroom, often not in the moment. But <laughs> always the best time but but you have to figure out what works there yeah yeah but, but talking but about it is, is so it's important really, it's so it's so such an important topic that um i'm glad to see that there are voices christian voices now that are really talking about sexual intimacy and the importance thereof because i think the church has not really done a great job i think you know overall of of being willing to to you know, have those kinds of conversations because it's a, it is a sensitive topic, but it's so important that I think the church needs to take sex back from the world. Yes, and create these expectations that it should be amazing, um, and uh, I mean, flir- like your sex life should be flourishing as a believer, and that's just not the rhetoric you hear in the church. Yeah. It's like either don't do it, or you better be doing your duty, wives to your husbands, right. you know, because they're if you don't want them to look at porn, then you better have sex with them, and it's just like, no, that's not the motivation. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. We, yeah, it's, it's so good. And I think so often, you know, you can judge the health of a marriage by, by, by intimacy. And I think in, and you guys would say that's really in every form, including the physical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I've um, heard you talk about kind of to shift gears um, is just, you know, creating and and even shifting atmospheres in your marriage. I love that language. Um, Can you kind of describe what you mean by that, Scott? Yeah. So every marriage has a climate um, and it can be, you know, can run the gamut of, you know, you know, uh, I would say chilly <laughs> or, or, um, you know, or it can be warm and, and inviting. And, and so the, the atmosphere, gauging the atmosphere of your marriage is, um, it's something that you need to be watchful about. Okay. And, and watchfulness isn't a term that gets a whole lot of attention these days, but I think in marriage, it's, it's super important because it's, it's the opposite of autopilot and watchfulness is really just a matter of taking the temperature of looking out, you know, how are, how are things going today? Have I done today something that expresses love to my wife? Have, have I done, and these can be little tiny things. I say all the time to people, to couples, um, we say that together is that it, it's the little things on a daily basis that make the difference in the atmosphere of your marriage over the long haul. It's not the huge grand gestures or the, you know, the trips to Paris or the, you know, whatever things as fun and great as those are. It's the day in, day out, learning to express love in the small ways that your spouse can receive it and, and making that a habit that, that completely transforms the atmosphere of, of your marriage and of your relationship. I love that. So how do you, how do you shift, um, Jenny or Scott, when, when you feel like it's getting a little cooler than you'd like, how do you make that shift? Um, for me, it's, again, it's just being kind of watchful for, for signs where there's marital drift, where the, whether we've not been intentional about making our connection and keeping our eyes open for those things. I think we both, um, notice when the other person is withdrawing 
because that's what tends to happen is someone's needs aren't being met and they're frustrated or disappointed or hurt and you withdraw, you just self-protect. And so, so that's what you're watching for. The watchfulness is for withdrawal. Well, that's one thing. Yeah. You're just, um, I don't feel like I watch for it, but my awareness now is, you know, I'll say is something going on or is something wrong. And, and sometimes it'll take Scotty a little while to realize, yes, I know I've withdrawn. And sometimes it's just stress and he'll explain to me what's going on at work. And then I can be his cheerleader there. But sometimes something's happened or he's frustrated about something, but doesn't really know how to talk to me about it or, um, yeah, so we just invite conversations. Yeah, we just invite conversations. And there's one other thing I'd I'd like to mention because I think it's 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 hugely important, and um, it's something that um, Gottman, John Gottman, uh, who is a uh, founder of the Gottman Institute, which is a marriage and relationship research institute, mm-hmm. talks about, and that is um, the importance of how you respond to bids from your spouse. And a bid is basically some hint or clue that the person is seeking connection. So it could be um, even something as subtle as a sigh or um, something as explicit as, you know, a statement of, uh, I really need to talk. It could be something as as subtle or or as explicit as that. And, they did research over time where couples can respond to a bid from their spouse in one of three ways. They can turn away, which means basically reject the bid. Um, they can ignore the bid, which is uh, equally as bad in most cases, or they can turn toward their spouse and respond to the bid. And Gottman's research showed that, um, and I'll get the numbers wrong because I don't remember them exactly, but it was a, there was a dramatic um, they could basically predict whether a couple was going to stay together or not by watching how they responded to each other's bids. Wow. It was um, with, with a high degree of certainty, couples that um, responded to each other's bids regularly by turning toward the other person had, had a much, much higher um, longevity in their marriage than, than couples that didn't have that practice. And that's a huge atmosphere thing because if, if you make a bid for connection with your spouse and you either get rejected or get ignored, that's, that's damaging to your connection. That's actually not, it's actually doing damage to your relationship. And so it's so super important to, to kind of be aware of um, and kind of being a student of your spouse and how they make bids so that you can learn to respond to those things um, in the proper way. You know, listening to you guys, you really are, um, I think it's so easy, especially at least in my season of life with little kids and, you know, it's easy to constantly live in kind of reactive mode, but you guys are really, you're really proactive. You're looking for things. You're constantly, like you were saying, becoming a student of your spouse, um, and it seems like, especially when life is full, um, that they're a grown adult, like they should require the least from us. You know, we've got little kids, we've got jobs, right. we've got other things that need our, require our attention, demand it. And so, you know, the grown person that you do life with, they, they shouldn't require the same amount, but you guys are kind of flipping that and saying, actually, if you're going to put effort anywhere, if you're going to put intentionality anywhere, 
give it first to your spouse. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You can't, you can't put it on the shelf. You can't say, well, things are really busy. I'm, I'm building my career or, you know, the children really need me. Or in our case, when Scott's mom was sick and living with us, you know, that requires all our attention and then we'll pick up our marriage after, but then you're on that path of separation. And when you go to pick, there's nothing to pick up. Mm. So those bids, I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a hurting marriage, if you're hurting, it's so hard when you get up the nerve to make a hint and it may be something so lame as, um, Oh, I wonder what to make for dinner. You know, you're hinting maybe that you wish he would say, let's go get something out to eat. And, and he doesn't even hear that because he thinks, Oh, she's complaining again. Like you're not hearing each other. Yeah. and so those bids keep getting missed. Well, I just, we got to the point where we just, I always tell women, if you need something, you've got to come right out and say it. Like people say, I wish my husband was like Scott and did all these things. And I'm like, well, I tell him, I tell him I really need to go out. I really need to be with my friends. Could you make me a cup of tea while I'm on my way home? Could you, like, you've got to spell it out. And then he's so happy to have been given that chance. And then he figures it out and takes it to a whole nother level. But, Mm. you know, if your husband is um, reaching across just to try to make a connection and maybe his way is to be physical and the wife is afraid that he's saying, I just want to have sex with you and you're not connected emotionally. He may just be wanting to put his hand on your hand. And when you jerk away, when you turn a cold shoulder, when you pretend to be asleep, you know, whatever it may be, it, it hurts. It actually hurts. And so you want to turn towards each other. When things like that happen with us, we'll say, I'm so sorry. I'm completely consumed with the start of school. Uh, you know, can you we we just talk about it. We just talk yeah. about it and make baby steps towards each other. I love that. That's so good. So I really could talk to you guys for three hours. You're amazing. You're a wealth of just experienced stories and wisdom. And I just so honor and respect that. Um, just for the sake of time, as we wrap up, you know, if there's one last thing that you could say to the couples that are listening, what, what would it be? One thing. Um, I would say something that that I think some couples fail to understand is that there's great freedom in surrender. Mm. What I mean by that is we think we have to look out for our part and get what we want and fight for that. But that's actually a form of bondage. But when you get to the point where you can surrender your life first to the Lord and then secondly, to your spouse. And by surrender, I mean giving over the whole of yourself to your spouse and your marriage and holding nothing back. That's hugely freeing. Um, And it frees you from the need to control your spouse. It frees you from the need to fight for your rights. It frees you from the need. In the same way, surrender to Christ brings great freedom into our lives. The same thing happens in the marriage relationship. So don't be afraid to give your all, to surrender yourself completely to your spouse and to to be all in in your marriage um, and to be all for your spouse and serving the other person fully 
and holy with the whole of your being. I love that, Scott. Thank you. What about you, Jenny? I would say don't ever stop pursuing each other. Mm -hmm. Just keep kissing. Just keep reaching out. Keep doing what you know the other person enjoys. And uh, we learned three little words. Are they three words? Yes. Sorry, from another couple in one of our small groups, they said they say to each other, they just say out loud, even if they're in the middle of a conflict, I'm for you. I'm for I you. love that. I love that. That that will that will break down the the anger and the conflict real quick when you are yeah, put you on the same mm-hmm. side. Yeah. You know, I what I love about you guys is that you're able to raise our expectations of what marriage can be without leaving your listeners feeling condemned. And that's a pretty incredible gift. So thank you for that because I, I am just, and I've listened and read and been around you guys for years and I am inspired in a new way tonight from what you've shared. And yet there's no condemnation, you know, it's not like, man, I'm falling short in a lot of areas. Um, and so it's really a gift, the way that you communicate your passion for marriage. So really thank you for that. It's our privilege. For letting us both be here. Yes. And I would love for you to tell us um, how people can just connect with your ministry and learn more from you. Um, kind of give us the rundown. How can people connect with you guys? Sure. So um, I have a, a blog that I run at heavenmademarriage.com. Um, so there's a, there's a blog there. Um, I've also on Heaven Made Marriage on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Heaven Made Marriage on Instagram. So you can you can search those out and connect with me there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Marriage Journey. And then um, I have a couple of books that I've written uh, kind of around this topic of intimacy and passion in marriage. And uh, you can get those um, on Amazon, either on Kindle or on paperback. I'm, I'm offering today for for your listeners actually uh, who want to get the, the both books through my, through my web store, which is at heavenmademarriage.com slash store. If you okay. order my, um, the, the two books that I've written, one is called the um, path of intimacy and the other one is called pump up the passion. You can get both of those books, um, $5 off plus free shipping, which basically gets you um, both books for, for the price of one. Um, if you use the uh, discount code abundant, which is um, from your from your podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I gave my copies away. So I'm going to go on as soon as we get off tonight and order another set for us. Um, thank you. That is so generous. Um, I appreciate that. Um, and in, do you, are your books something that, you know, people can use in a small group setting? Is it yeah, best we've, for- we've had, we've had some people use the books as a, as a small group. There's not a separate study guide for it, but it does, it does, um, invite a lot of good conversation. So yeah. Fantastic. Well, I would encourage every listener, please, if nothing else, subscribe to the blog at heavenmademarriage.com, right.com. Yes. Yeah. And there's a sub- subscribe link right at the top of the page there. Perfect. And start there. And I would highly recommend diving into Scott and Jenny's um, books. And um, I think there's so much, I, I mean, I know there's so much more that we can learn from you guys. And I really appreciate you opening up and telling us stories and sharing with us today. Glad to do it. Thank you. 
And in closing, would you just be willing to pray um, for folks who are listening? Maybe some of our listeners are going through struggles in their marriage or feeling a lack um, of intimacy and connection with their spouse. Maybe they've been hurt deeply and have been struggling for a long time in their marriage. Um, I would just really appreciate your prayers from a place of victory, you know, a prayer and declaration over our listeners. Um, Yeah, let's pray. Thank you. So Lord, thank you for the beautiful creation that you made of marriage. Lord, that we know it was your idea and it was on your heart before there was such a thing as time. And so Lord, we thank you that you are for marriage and that you are for every marriage that's um, hearing this podcast today. And Lord, I pray right now in your that your power would be released for every couple to live the fullness and abundance and joy and to experience the fullness of intimacy that you have on your heart for every couple. Lord, will you give them practical um, ways to move closer together, practical ways to stay on that path of intimacy. Lord, equip them and, and reveal to each person, Lord, your love for them, that they might be secure and confident in your love and to take that love and to share it with each other. Lord, bless each couple that's hearing this today and give them hope and excitement and more and more and more intimacy Lord, pour it out as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Scott and Jenny. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Living the Abundant Life podcast. It was great to have Scott and Jenny share about marriage. And I just wanted to tell you again, if you want to go on to heavenmademarriage.com slash store, you can order their Igniting Intimacy Bundle. That's both books that he's written, The Path of Intimacy and Pump Up the Passion, their newest book. You can order both books. It's $14.97. And with our code ABUNDANT at checkout, you get $5 off and free shipping. You cannot beat that. Both books for under $10 free shipping. So go ahead, order those books, subscribe to their blog on heavenmademarriage.com. And I know you'll continue to be encouraged and equipped in pursuing the path of intimacy in your marriage. We'll see you next time.